The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. This episode of the Underdog Sports Fantasy Hour is brought to you by PFF Fantasy. Prepare to win this season with PFF Fantasy. PFF offers the most in-depth stats and analysis to give you a massive edge over your competition. Use their data-driven projections and matchup tools to find breakout players. Sit back and follow Jeff Ratcliffe's expert rankings all season long like I do. Don't waste another second guessing which players to draft or fade. Use PFF analytics to optimize every draft pick, trade offer, and DFS lineup. So sign up today at pff.com and use promo code PFF25 to save 25% on your order. And if you're a high-stakes player, join PFF Elite to access their Greenline game picks for NFL and college games. Greenline shows you which picks have the highest confidence to beat the spread, moneyline, and over-under. Join PFF today and prepare to win. Go to pff.com and again, use that promo code PFF25 to save 25% for a limited time. You are entering the Underdog Sports Fantasy Hour with Josh Dunn. And Anchu Kana. You are now in the Underdog Sports Fantasy Hour. I am Josh Dunn, joined as always by Anchu Kana, and I would like to hear how Anchu's doing. But before I do, I'd like to let you guys know that this episode of the Underdog Sports Fantasy Hour is brought to you by Yahoo Daily Fantasy. Yahoo has officially released their Week 1 Daily Fantasy Football Contests. They have a $1 million contest for Week 1 with no management fee and 100000 to first place. That means more money goes back to you, the players. There is a 10-entry max. You're not going to be playing against people with 150 lineups like on some other sites. Yahoo also has a $100,000 guaranteed contest, so there are lots of prizes out there for Week 1. If you're just getting started with Daily Fantasy Football, join the free-to-enter Yahoo Cup and play all season long. $150,000 in weekly and season-long prizes, and if you get a perfect lineup, you win $1 million on you. That's going to be huge for those of us that did not draft Andrew Luck in our early fantasy football drafts. But with that being said, and hearing from Yahoo, how are you, my friend? I'm doing great. We are in the end game, my friend. We are down to the wire. Last, what, eight days away from actual NFL football. We have college football already kicked off. This is this is it. This is the best time of the year. Absolutely. And for that, Yahoo, just go to yahoo.com slash daily fantasy. I know we've said it before. All right, Anshu, I kind of alluded to the top story that we wanted to talk about, and that is around your boy, Andrew Luck retiring from football at age 29. Obviously, there have been a ton of injury concerns throughout Andrew Luck's career, and clearly it took a toll on him emotionally, mentally, and he is just ready to call it quits, which opens the door for Jacoby Brissett. But tell me, why do you think your boy made such a huge call and decides to call it quits here at just the young age of 29? I mean, it sounds like, you know, the injuries and the rehab and the, psych- the cyclical nature of all that goes into all of that and the mental aspect of it, along with the fact that a lot of football players seem to be very unhappy, in case you hadn't noticed from the social media blowback of this, 
Um, you know, I, I just I think it, it wore on him. And th- remember, this is a guy, of course, who chose to go back to Stanford for his senior year, even though he could have declared for the NFL draft. Uh, because he wanted to get his engineering degree, essentially. So, um, you know, certainly a player uh, with a lot to give outside of football and, you know, a really brilliant mind and um, a lot to live for that he obviously doesn't want to sacrifice to this game. So uh, more power to him. But, you know, obviously one of the biggest shockers we've ever seen in professional sports. Yeah, I'd say so. And I mean, what does this do for the AFC South? You look at, you know, the teams in this division, they were probably looking at Indianapolis as a team to be reckoned with and, you know, possibly a team to take this division by storm and win it. Now you have, you know, Houston, who was a bit mediocre last year, Jacksonville, obviously, with Nick Foles at the helm and the Titans, you know, still can't seem to figure out their their offensive identity at times. So, you know, how much does this open the door? I was talking to my brother, who you know is a Tennessee Titans fan. And, yes. you know, obviously for him, we were at a wedding together when we heard this news. You know, it, it, it really opens the door for the Titans to potentially slide in there and maybe compete with Houston. I don't know that Jacksonville's there, as we touched on in our AFC South preview. But where do you stand on this division? I mean, did the, the Colts take that much of a drop off with Andrew Luck not being there? I think so. I mean, I I have a lot of respect for Frank Reich as a coach. I think that Chris Ballard is maybe the best GM in football. But, you know, at the end of the day, you do have Brissett, and that's a huge drop-off from a top-five quarterback and a team that I did think was going to win this AFC South, and I thought they would win it going away, to be honest, especially because Houston has a really tough schedule. They open at New Orleans. Then they go to then they have Jacksonville at the Chargers, Carolina, Atlanta, at Kansas City. Then they go to the Colts. Um, before a couple easier games and then the bye then at Baltimore so I mean you look at that first place schedule that Houston has and um, you know it's daunting I would say and and you know this is a team that also lost Lamar Miller which I'm sure we'll talk about but um, you know it's it's definitely no easy you know sailing for them and I think that it does open the door for teams like Tennessee and even Jacksonville to put it together because of the type of team they are both them and the Titans they're so high variance because they like to run the ball and take the air out of it um you know it 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 does leave you know chance up in the air for the AFC South and I I think that it's going to be a wide open division yeah, I mean, leading off this show, we're really going to keep it in the AFC South. You you kind of mentioned that uh, Lamar Miller, you know, he goes down. He's going to be out for the season. Obviously, we talked about that Duke Johnson trade. That becomes huge at this point. Duke Johnson, not only from a football standpoint, but now from a fantasy perspective, too. I mean, he's going to take a huge leap forward with Lamar Miller going down. Uh, how big is this ACL injury for Lamar Miller, and, and do you think he even gets back to a starting running back type of a role at any point in his career? Obviously, he's kind of aging as well. Yeah, I I doubt that we're going to see a whole lot. I mean, Lamar Miller was already, in my mind, kind of on his last leg and, and kind of just happened to be in an absolutely amazing position having played next to, you know, that incredible receiver core and, and obviously Deshaun Watson. But there's a guy that's already 28, going to be 29 coming off an ACL. I mean, he I, I really liked him out of college, but now, you know, I, I mean, clearly, you know, the baton has been passed and I'm not sure. I'm, I'm sure he'll get a chance in a training camp, but hard to imagine that he's able to recapture the 4-4 speed that he had coming out of college. So, yeah, like you said, Duke Johnson becomes very interesting. What they do here in the next few days becomes very interesting because you I, I find it very hard to believe that they're going to roll into uh, you know the regular season with just Damari Crockett backing up Duke Johnson I mean you got to think that they're going to be looking at you know the Carlos Hydes or whoever else ends up on the waiver wire and so I, I think that you know the Texans maybe via trade are going to be a very interesting 
team to watch out for as we see a lot of fantasy drafts happen here next weekend. Yeah, you mentioned Carlos Hyde, some other names that have been linked to the Texans since this injury. Elijah McGuire, Kenneth Dixon, Corey Clement, LaShawn McCoy. Is there anybody there you think is the best football fit out of that group? Well, at the risk of sounding biased, I love Corey Clement going there. I mean, I think that he would be a really interesting fit along with Duke Johnson, kind of a similar type of back, at least at the pro level. But at college, I saw firsthand as a former Badger that Corey Clement can really get it going, you know, both passing and especially running the ball. And I think that there are other options out there as well that are going to be intriguing. You know, the, the Eagles have like three or four guys, I think, that all could be you know, the top two down back for a Texans team using Duke Johnson as presumably their third down back. But in the meantime, I mean, I think that it's got to be Duke, even if they do trade for someone in the first few weeks. So although that schedule is kind of daunting, I mean, I think that if you're drafting Duke Johnson, um, you're doing it with the expectation that he's the starter for Houston for the first few weeks, regardless of what they do uh, via trade. All right, we were going to save this for the leftovers, but since we're talking AFC South, uh, let's just let's just talk about it here. We've got Jadavion Clowney, who's been linked to the the uh, Miami Dolphins as far as trade talks go, and I, obviously Clowney is one of the bigger, at least defensive names that that is being thrown out there in trade talks. Do, do you think that the deal gets done, and and what do you think the haul would have to be for him to be traded to Miami? I do think it gets done. There are some complicating factors related to his contract that prevent any team from extending with him. It sounds like Clowney already has had conversations with Brian Flores and some of the Miami Dolphins brass, but you know, there's that's the other piece of the puzzle here that could, you know, potentially relate to fantasy and that's if Miami makes a trade, they could end up trading Kenyon Drake or Kellen Bellage or one of these guys for Clowney. And, um, you know, maybe throw in Laramie Tunsil or or one of these offensive linemen if they get a pick back as well. So it's something to look at. The Texans could really use some offensive line help as well. But, you know, if they could kill two birds with one stone, get like a, you know, a solid tackle and a running back, I think that's a best case scenario for everyone because it just seems like, you know, Clowney's moved on from them. They've moved on from Clowney. And from a fantasy perspective, it'd be great to see both Miami and Houston's, you know, running backs by committee kind of resolved in one fell swoop. So that'd be interesting for sure. Yeah, and Tunsil's the one name that has been linked to the Texans, at least from an interest standpoint. And it doesn't sound like they're ecstatic to to part ways with him. But if they do want to make this deal happen, he might be a piece they would have to include. So this is a storyline to keep keep an eye on. Uh, you know, does Houston maybe try to hang on to him? I, I don't know what Houston believes that they are. I think they believe that they're going to be a competitive playoff level team. And now with Andrew Luck going down, uh, you want to do whatever you can to stay intact. But uh, it, all signs, I guess, this offseason have been pointing to a clowny deal. It's just going to come down to whether or not they pull the trigger and what that package would look like on the way back. So uh, sure. a couple, couple, couple interesting storylines in Houston. Obviously a big storyline to follow in Indianapolis. Uh, definitely makes this, this uh, division, the AFC South, one to watch here this upcoming season. All right, Anshu, let's, uh, real, before, before we talk about some, uh, some award lines, let's first tell you about our friends over at BetOnline. Uh, obviously, we are ready for some football here on the, the Underdog Sports Fantasy Hour, and college football is here. There are some big matchups coming up this week. We've got the NFL preseason in its last week before the start of the regular season, and then MLB action continuing to heat up leading up to the playoffs. And there's only one place that has you covered and one place that we trust, and that's betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use that promo code 
podcast one that's podcast o-n-e for your 50 percent welcome bonus in college football we've got some big games coming up we're going to get to on the leftovers utah and byu will face off we've got oregon oregon and auburn from uh houston versus oklahoma and exactly and then colorado state versus colorado where petty will be watching for sure uh some current some headlines to watch for in major league baseball with less than two months left we've got the yankees the twins and Obviously, the Houston Astros and then the uh, Indians fighting for that wild card spot. Obviously, a big injury there with uh, your boy Jose Ramirez. And then in the NL, we've got the Dodgers and the Braves, also St. Louis and the Cubs neck and neck. And then the wild card, keep an eye on those Nationals. So don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action today. Don't forget to use that promo code PODCAST1 to receive a 50% welcome bonus. College football week one, NFL preseason final week. MLB action on fire. Get in on all the action at betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. Okay, Anshu, we're going to look at betonline.ag, and I just happen to have it pulled up here right in front of me conveniently, and we're going to talk about some of the NFL awards odds going into this year. All right, let's first start with, I love this one. This is my favorite one on this list as we look at the futures, and that's which coach is going to be the first one to either be fired or to resign and former Bengals offensive coordinator Jay Gruden sits atop this list at plus 450 with Pat Shermer at plus 700 and Doug Marone at plus 900 below him. Uh, do you think Jay gets the boot after this year or at some point during this year, I guess, as this alludes to? Yeah, I mean, he's starting with Case Keenum. It sounds like Colt McCoy is not going to be back anytime soon. So let's look at the schedule. I mean, that's really where this thing gets decided. Washington starts at Philadelphia. Then they have Dallas. Then they have Chicago at the Giants, then the Patriots at Miami, San Francisco at Minnesota, at Buffalo into the bye week 10. So, you know, when you look at that, I mean, they're they're going to be favored in maybe three of those games. They could be heading into the bye at three and six. Um, you know, you expect Dwayne Haskins to get the nod at some point in that, you know, time frame. And Jay Gruden has said already that if he doesn't make the playoffs, he's not going to have this job next year. So, um, I think that that was a bit prophetic, and uh, yeah, that's that's going to be really, really tough for him to to hang on. I think through that bye um, and into the second half of the season, especially in that division, I'm just I think that there's a good chance that uh, the favorite ends up getting canned first in this group. Yeah, and I, I think any of those three uh, would definitely not be a surprise if, if they were to go uh, early on. And I think Jay Gruden being at the top of that list is probably not a bad bet. I mean, it's just you look at that team and, and there's just not a lot there. Uh, you know, you have aging guys on the, on the offensive side of the ball and, you know, people who I don't necessarily know that you'd want to put your coaching career on on them being successful. So uh, it'll be an interesting one to watch as well. Obviously, there's some guys there that uh, that you know could be fired. I, I do. I am interested that you know they've got names like Dan Quinn and Matt Patricia here, relatively high on this list. Ron Rivera as well. Are you surprised by any of the odds of some of these other guys that maybe are a little higher than I would expect anyway? Yeah, I would be shocked if. If Ron Rivera gets the axe early, I mean, it would it would take that cam injury to be really serious. But again, another team that doesn't have the easiest start. You go the first four weeks, you have the Rams, Tampa, which is eh, and then at Arizona, we'll see what that looks like. And then at Houston. So, I mean, if things go poorly early for him and, and cam isn't playing, you know, you could see Ron Rivera get canned. Week six is Carolina's by I'm sorry, week eight, seven is Carolina's by. Um, you know, and then Matt Patricia, I mean, the Detroit thing is just weird. 
and they have a tough they've got an easy first week but then it gets really tough and then the bye is week five so I always circle the buys when it comes to um, you know head coach possible head coach firings and for Detroit you go at Arizona Chargers at Philly Kansas City and then the bye so they're favored probably maybe in one of those games and then you know, pretty pretty big underdogs in the other. So if they're 0-4 into the bye, and, you know, last year was a weird situation for Matt Patricia anyway, there's an outside chance that Week 5 comes and the Lions end up firing Matt Patricia, I think. All right, on to Coach of the Year. That's AP Coach of the Year. And this uh, just proves that uh, this has become just this Browns madness has just oh, has just gotten out of hand. So they have <laughs> uh, Bet Online, and I know this is not Bet Online's fault. This is obviously an issue with uh, Browns fans just being uh, the most wildly optimistic fans in, in the world. And obviously, you know, having been fans of one of the worst franchises in the history of sports for the past couple decades. But Freddie Kitchens is plus 2,500 to be the first coach to get fired. He's right in the middle of the mix there, actually kind of up toward the the top half. But he's second favorite odds to win coach of the year, and that's only plus 100 behind Kyle Shanahan, who's plus 1,000, and he's best odds to win it. They have Kitchens at plus 1,100, and then Bill Belichick at plus 1,200, tied with Sean McVay. I just, that this one, I mean, to me it's getting a little out of hand, but talk, talk me off the ledge. Tell me why I'm wrong. I mean, look, the the reason for why he would be that high is you're looking at a team that is looking to flip the switch, right? Like, so that's why you have Shanahan and, and Kitchens at the top and not, like, Doug Peterson. And obviously Belichick's up there just because he always is. But he he's basically not going to win just because you rarely will see a, a situation like that. You know, they'll just have the next best guy win it. So, you know, it's just tricky to know who would win it. I actually would like to see what Frank Reich's odds are. And that's not because I think the Colts are going to win the division. But, look, no one expects anything out of them. If they end up going, let's call it 7-9, and nine, that against a division where, you know, they're going to have four games that they can definitely win, right? And then, I mean, they've the rest of the schedule is not easy, but it's not exactly impossible. They have Oakland at home. They've got, you know, Denver at home. They've got Miami and Jack. You know, they've got some winnable games at home. If they end up winning seven games with their backup, you know, quarterback, don't you think that he deserves some recognition? Or are you of the belief that a head coach of the year needs to make the playoffs? I think they should at least make the playoffs. I don't necessarily need okay. them to be, uh, you know, a team that gets a bye. But you know that that is a point well taken. And Reich is right there at plus fourteen hundred, so he's not far behind those guys up at the top of the list. I'd be anxious to see how that line moves over the next couple weeks. But, uh, you know, it is interesting. But you mentioned Freddie Kitchens and, you know, how he's in a new situation. And obviously everyone expects them to flip this switch because of the amount of talent that they've brought on. But uh, there's a lot of, you know, first-year or second-year coaches down this list that have absolutely terrible odds. When you look at Cliff Kingsbury at plus 3,300, you look at Zach Taylor with the worst odds in the league, no surprise there, at plus 5,000. I mean, if you're betting on the Bengals at this point, it's just a crazy move. But... (laughs) But there are other names on there. I mean, even your boy Matt LaFleur at plus 2,000 that are further down this list than Freddie Kitchens. And I think it just goes to show you where the money's traveling in Las Vegas sure. at this point. It's a great point. I mean, the money is following the Browns and the Bears. There's no question. Um, you know, I it's crazy to me that, that coaches like Taylor and Kingsbury and LaFleur are that low. Because really, those are the guys that are going to win this award. You're not going to see Belichick win. You're not going to see Peterson win. 
You're not going to see, you know, you're probably not seeing McVay win. I mean, maybe, but I doubt it. He's already won it two years ago. Um, you know, you're you're unlikely to see the veterans get it. Like, and so, you know, so what does that leave us with? Probably the guys who take a team from worst to first. Like, you're not going to see Ron Rivera do it. You're not going to see Matt Nagy do it. So, like, why not? And not going to see Sean Payton do it. You're not going to, you know. So we should we should be looking at those, identifying those longer shots and picking one of those teams, whoever the likeliest team is, to your point, to tie the two points together, you know, whoever's the likeliest to make the playoffs, like, why not? Why not do that instead of go with someone like, I don't know, Mike Tomlin has no chance of winning, right? So I, that sure. would be my my personal perspective. Yeah, and Adam Gase on there, too, at plus 2,800 to me is a little bit interesting. I don't ex- yeah. I don't, I'm not as high on the Jets are, but there are a lot of people that are higher on the Jets than I feel like they should be. Uh, so at plus 2,800 kind of sitting there, at the top end of that bottom half, you know, like that, that that's one that, that maybe is a little interesting as well. Just because if they do take a huge leap forward and Le'Veon Bell gets back to form, you know, they could be at a position second in the division, wild card team. And I, I would guess that he would be right there in that conversation if he gets him there. For sure. How about Kyle Shanahan being the favorite, though? That's wild. Yeah, I don't see it. <laughs> I but again I'm 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 much much lower on on the San Francisco 49ers than pretty much anybody else that I've seen talk about them. Yeah, I mean and I I mean we we talked about it last week but I think that that's that's the kind of thing that makes sense though a guy like Shanahan it should just be like all those guys should be flat in the odds you know and just be lower. I just don't get why some are higher and some aren't like why are the Niners identified as a team why is Kyle Shanahan identified as the coach? to be likeliest to actually do it than any of these other guys. That's that's what I don't understand. I'm with you, buddy. All right, let's talk about Defensive Rookie of the Year, uh, and then we'll go to Offensive Rookie of the Year. They've got Devin Bush and Devin White, the two Devins as the favorites at plus 600. Nick Bosa at plus 800. Will he get healthy? Josh Allen, the other Josh Allen at plus 900, and then Ed Oliver at plus 1,000 right there with Quinn and Williams. Uh, where do you see this award going, and do you think there's anybody outside of those few uh, that com- could come in there and, and maybe upset and win it? Yeah, I mean, I think Devin Bush is probably a smart bet, in part because, you know, Pittsburgh's offense is going to want to go up and down the field, which means on defense they're going to have to make a lot of plays, I think, especially in the pass game, which means a lot of tackles for Devin Bush, which means a lot of stats. And that's really what this boils down to because, you know, while I think Quinton Williams is probably the best defensive player in this class, you know, because of Bosa's injury, like, I mean, he's not going to rack up, like, 10 sacks as a rookie defensive tackle, you know, and he's not going to get a lot of tackles. Um, if you're going to pick a defensive tackle, it'd probably be at Oliver, but I don't know that he's going to crack the rotation enough to rack up that many sacks. So, um, you know, I mean, Devin Bush makes a lot of sense. I think that, you know, if you're hedging somewhere in the middle, Josh Allen as a guy that can burn the edge is really interesting, and they're going to have – a really good rotation there. Um, and I, I think that that's a, re- a good situation for him to, you know, kind of get eased in and then ultimately get a bunch of sacks, I think, later in the season on a good defense. So I like Josh Allen there as far as the odds go. Yeah, I'm with you. All right, let's look at the offensive rookie of the year. Okay, so Kyler Murray is the huge favorite here at plus 160. Obviously, you're going to have to find value elsewhere if you if you think anybody could take that. I mean, he hasn't looked great in the preseason. He's going to be running for his life. Uh, but they've got uh, Daryl Henderson at plus 700, Josh Jacobs at plus 700 as well, uh, Dwayne Haskins at plus 800, and then David Montgomery at plus 1400. Uh, is there anybody else down that line? Maybe a DK Metcalf or a Paris Campbell or Nikhil Henry that you could see uh, you know, as a value, maybe coming up there to win this thing. 
if Metcalf was healthy, I'd be really interested because I think that Seattle is definitely looking for someone else to step up. I mean, it sounds like John Ursua is going to be, um, you know, a starter essentially for them, and he's an undrafted rookie. You're, aren't the Bengals starting an undrafted rookie at receiver? Um, yes, Damian so, uh, Damian Dam- Willis, Willis, I Willis. Yes, yeah. You- so I mean. That's, you know, I, I like you want to talk about a long, long shot. These guys are starting. And, you know, I, I mean, some of these other guys we're talking about aren't even, you know, playing to start the season, including Metcalf. So um, personally, I love those odds on Josh Jacobs plus 700. I mean, it makes sense that Kyler's a favorite. I don't know if he should be that overwhelming of one, but he's if he's starting the season as quarterback, they're not going to bench him. They're going to let him fight through it. And assuming he doesn't get hurt he's going to rack up the numbers unless he's just absolutely horrible. Um, But, you know, that's a very fair possibility. So I like Jacobs. I like, I mean, I I mean, I think David Montgomery's got an outside chance there as well, um, just odds wise. So some interesting names out there. This is a huge rookie class as far as immediate, you know, potential production. Yeah, I do. I think there's uh, some guys that are going to maybe make a name for themselves. I know you're a big Miles Sanders guy, too. I think he's somebody that could get some some touches early and, and make a name for himself and potentially be in that conversation. Uh, you brought up Damian Willis, and I just want to touch on this because we obviously – closed last week with the AFC North preview and just the way that this preseason ended for the Bengals with Damian Willis getting a a starting job obviously in place for AJ Green he wouldn't be there in the starting lineup if he wasn't Um, but the line when the way the offensive line shakes out as well I mean it's very clear to me that Zach Taylor is putting the people in position that that are the best player based on what he's seen in the preseason and that is the opposite of what Marvin Lewis did at times. He played the person who was drafted the highest and it, it, it was to a fault at times. So I, I just wanted to mention that because you brought up a really good point with that and the offensive line, the way it shook out. I mean, Billy Price was our first round draft pick last year. He's going to be the first lineman off the bench this year because he was outplayed in the preseason. So I just thought that was worth mentioning. I love um, that. I mean, I think that bodes really well long term. I'll just say that. Agreed. All right, let's talk about the AP Defensive Player of the Year, and then we'll finish it out with MVP. They've got Khalil Mack at plus 250, your boy, Aaron Donald at plus 300, J.J. Watt, weirdly, at third at plus 1,000, and then Von Miller and Miles Garrett rounding out the top five with one of the Bosa brothers at plus 2,200 at six. Oh, man, if Nick Bosa stays healthy, I'm sorry, if Joey Bosa stays healthy, that's a really interesting one, but he's always hurt. I mean, both of them are always hurt, so it's hard to pick one or the other. I mean, I, I, I don't get why Aaron Donald isn't the favorite. I know he won last year and maybe there's some fatigue around that, but like the dude is by far the best defensive player in the league. And Not while, he close. May, while he maybe doesn't get a million sacks, like maybe Khalil Mack will in that defense. I just, he's, everyone knows how good he is. And I think it'll be a crime if he doesn't end up winning it, if he's healthy for all 16 games, because He's just he he wrecks the game, and uh, you know every quarterback that's interviewed says it. And um, you know, I mean, I, I just that's a no brainer to me if he's not the favorite to to put some money on him. I'm a little surprised, Miles Garrett. I mean, again, this is the Browns' money the going to the Browns being there at number five. I mean, he's a very talented player, but. Numbers-wise, I mean, his sack numbers haven't been crazy uh, compared to some of the other names on this list. But I think Jalen Ramsey's a guy, uh, you know, that could that could move up this list, especially when you look at the quarterbacks in his division now with uh, Andrew Luck going down. I mean, he's going to have shots at, 
at Jacoby Brissett and Marcus Mariota, who's been turnover prone. Uh, you know, this could be an opportunity for Jalen Ramsey to really prove that the talk he does on the field uh, could be, uh, you know, replicated in his play. So I think him at plus 2,800 uh, is is not a bad look if you think a secondary guy can get that. And obviously that's predicated on whether or not they can make a lot of interceptions. And, you know, you need to get to that 8-10 range before you're talked about as the defensive player of the year. But I think he has that kind of ability. Uh, and he'll have probably lead the league in batted balls, I would guess, as well. Plus, he's one of the best tacklers in the secondary. So I think he could be a guy that could sneak up there. He's an eraser for sure. And I think that given – this is one of the great things about fantasy is – you know, we become very aware of which players completely shut down a side of the field. And Jalen Ramsey, two years ago especially, was certainly one of those guys. I feel like he's got the opportunity to do that again this year. Like you said, great call on, you know, the, the quarterbacks in that division. Um, like you said, though, they, it's got to – you have to create turnovers, which can be a little bit fluky. Um I was going to go with a different Florida State guy had he been healthy, which is Derwin James. Yeah, I, mean, I was going to say the health, though, man. That, he's out for a stuff. while. He is, he is, and um, you know, and I think that that I'll say this for for Miles Garrett. I think that part of what you're looking for here is guys making the leap, you know, and so you know, a, a lot of times we see voters give deference to players that haven't necessarily, you know, been in this position before, and maybe give them a slight bias. And so, you know, guys like Garrett, guys like Derwin James, who haven't necessarily been at the top, get a little bit of a nod over maybe the old hat types like Mac, like Miller, um, you know, like Donald. All right. NFL MVP, Patrick Mahomes, the big favorite at plus 500. Oddly, Carson Wentz is there at number two at plus 900. Then your boy Aaron Rodgers at plus 1200, tied with Baker Mayfield. There's just the same player. (laughs) <laughs> basically true true and tom brady the old men at plus 1400 I, i'm looking down this list though and, and i'm just i'm noticing a couple things mitch trubisky at plus 2800 lamar jackson at plus 3300 alvin kamara christian mccaffrey ezekiel elliott all at plus 5000 i mean obviously it takes a lot for a running back to be considered for league mvp but what are the chances lamar jackson or mitch trubisky are in uh, higher up in the rate rankings than Alvin Kamara, Christian McCaffrey, and Ezekiel Elliott, or Saquon Barkley, or Todd Gurley, also at plus five thousand for that matter. Yeah, I that think to that me is nuts. Generally, what we see is that running backs are given the best running back is basically given the Offensive Player of the Year award, right? Or like the best skill position guy gets that award, like whoever racks up the yards, and especially if it's empty calories, like Saquon is likely to get, and so. I think MVP has basically just become the best quarterback award, unfortunately. And that means I actually love Aaron Donald to win MVP. I think that he, given their odds and given the way that that team runs and how balanced it is, like I don't see one guy necessarily running away in that offense. I think they're going to be awesome again. But I think that Aaron Donald has the potential to capture that award by being the kind of game wrecker that he's been and maybe becoming the first defensive MVP in a while. And he's just he's peaking and he's so good and they have so much talent around him that I think it's interesting. But, um, you know, realistically, when I look at MVP, I'm, I'm doing what I was talking about earlier, which is look a little further down the list. Who's likely to pop, you know, from the kind of lower levels? And, you know, you brought up Trubisky. I mean, I actually think those are those are just horrible odds on Mitch Trubisky. Like, for whatever reason, the Bears fans just blew him into the, you know, wherever he is now. What about Desha- what about Deshaun Watson? Like, why not? Why not Deshaun Watson? Plus 2,500. 
plus 2,500 for a team that, you know, and I don't even, I'm not even like the biggest Deshaun Watson guy. I just think that his numbers at the end of the year with that division could end up being pretty high, albeit against, you know, some pretty tough defensive teams in the division. I just, I, I like that. I think that like a guy, I, again, hate Dak Prescott, but I think that he, you could just see a guy like that, you know, blowing up. And I think that those are the types that I would be targeting. Even, you know, I, I mean, there's, there's other quarterbacks like Phil Rivers or one of those that potentially could be Jared Goff is another Matt Ryan's won it before, you know, who are kind of, it's kind of like golf, right? Like you, you kind of, there are some players down the line that, you know, are going to have a high safe floor and then potentially a huge ceiling that could end up winning this. So I'm, I'm looking at quarterbacks that are at further odds personally. Dak has the same odds as Aaron Donald, who you mentioned and Sam Darnold as well at plus 6,600. Jeez. These, I mean, it, I, honestly, it is kind of it's it's funny when you look down the list and see some of the names, just because name recognition, like you don't think about Todd Gurley as, on the same level as Kyler Murray and right. they're, they have, or Jameis Winston, and they have the same odds because, like you said, quarterback is just looked at so much differently. Um, but yeah, was the last so, non-quarterback MVP, like I, I, Adrian Peterson, I think was right. That but sounds that right. Case, I don't that think there's right. been one since then, so you know, it's rare. Yeah, it, it 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 is. I mean, I get it. It's just funny when you look at it. I mean, right. Eli Eli Manning and DeAndre Hopkins right there with Andy Dalton plus ten thousand. <laughs> there you go. Put a, uh, put a dollar on, on Andy Dalton. Who knows? Uh, well, hey, it, we, we, you'll have every opportunity to watch all of these guys <laughs> with their bid to get an MVP award, and I'm sure Dalton won't be in the conversation. But you can do it all. Only with NFL Game Pass, and you're going to get every out-of-market preseason game live. And with the preseason underway, your season can start now with NFL Game Pass. You get a first look at all the rookies and all the players on new teams. We just talked about a bunch of them on you. It's all the action, all the football you can handle, all in one place. I know I'm most excited to watch all of these fringe rookie players trying to make a roster here as we close out the NFL preseason and with NFL game pass I will be able to watch all of those players live in the preseason and if I miss a game I can replay it after it's aired whoever you want to watch this preseason you're gonna need NFL game pass to do so if you're out of market we've got a lot of storylines we've been keeping an eye on like Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury's offense AB whether he can get healthy or not and fit into the Raiders offense Nikhil Harry whether he'll win a spot on the Patriots as a wide receiver Make sure to see all of the action this preseason with NFL Game Pass. And best of all, you can kick off the NFL season for this year with a seven-day free trial of NFL Game Pass if you sign up now at NFL.com slash Fantasy Hour. All right, Anshu. So we said on the other side of that ad that we were going to do a mock fantasy football draft. And this is a fantasy football show. So I want to set this up for you. So essentially you and I are going to be six different people each we're going to go through a one round draft based on a standard league that has a half a point for ppr we've got one flex one quarterback and two running backs two wide receivers a tight end we're just doing the first round okay so you're going to have first pick you're going to bounce it back to me and one of my six people is going to have second pick and then we'll just alternate back and forth essentially just giving our listeners kind of an an eye in to how we see the first round shaking out and maybe what we would think about if we were taking things based on reacting to other picks that have been taken how does that sound that sounds interesting i'm excited to hear how this goes 
So I want you to have first pick, my friend. And this, I feel like this year, differently than than maybe the past couple, this is, I would say, a little bit more wide open. Uh, you know, whether you are going to take one of the running backs, which maybe aren't as much of a lock as Todd Gurley has been the past couple years. Uh, but uh, with without further ado, why don't you get us started? All right. Well, this version of myself is Steve. And as Steve, <laughs> I am going to take the safe route. I'm going to be looking at my ADPs. I'm going to be nervously checking, you know, different sites, but ultimately I'm going to land on Saquon Barkley, a guy that we talked about as a potential offensive player of the year this year. And I think that uh, as Steve, I feel very strongly about Saquon Barkley and his giant quads. I think that's a safe pick. I mean, he's obviously going to get a huge workload. I think back to David Johnson, you know, when he had that breakout year, I think that's the kind of year Saquon Barkley will have. So I, I do like that pick. And you leave me with quite a quandary here with number two. I, I, I'm really torn between these two guys. I like Alvin Kamara. Obviously, he's going to get, a, I think, a slightly larger workload. Uh, and then Christian McCaffrey. But I really do think McCaffrey is just going to break out this year. They use him in so many different ways. Uh, you know, I, I think McCaffrey is the move here at me for number two. Okay. Yeah. I mean, can't argue with that logic. I mean, he's... An absolute star. Uh, we'll see about Cam's foot. It could be a good thing either way for him. Um, we've seen him just get better and better, and I love the Derry Sanders nickname. So that guy is uh, <laughs> is a stud. You can't really go wrong with any of these these top couple, I think. So uh, feel good about that for you. Um, so at number three, this version of me is known as Evan. And <laughs> Evan, here's the thing. I As Evan, I, I'm... I'm a little bit of a contrarian, but I also have that sort of safe floor (laughs) thought process. So while Alvin Kamara is out there and I like Alvin Kamara, I also have a very specific, I go into the draft with a very specific mindset. And that mindset is I've got to have an ace receiver. So I'm taking DeAndre Hopkins at this spot. We don't have a running back now in Houston. I'm feeling DeAndre Hopkins. I can't walk away from this draft without him or, you know, one of the other top guys. And I think drafting at number three, I'm concerned that maybe on the wrap, I'm not going to get one of those types. So I'm selecting DeAndre Hopkins as Evan. And I think that's a very safe choice. And I love where you're going with this. So (laughs) I think with this pick for me at number four, I am going to be the version of myself named Corey, who is very nervous about not getting the pick that they want and, uh, you know, not really willing to take much of a risk here at number four. So being that, you know, the other version of myself took Christian McCaffrey and and wanted Alvin Kamara, I think Alvin Kamara has to be the pick here at number four for my nervous self. I I agree with that. I can't at all fault you for that and I I, uh, I fully stand by you going with that Corey I, I wish you and your beard nothing but the best um, alright so I'm I'm up I guess here at 6 and I'm going to go I'm at 5 sorry I'm at 5 that's right and I'm I'm kind of a risk taker here as um, an Ohio State fan, I'm I'm partnered up with another person. My name here is Zane, and I'm you know at one point a few years ago I took a bold move on a player that ultimately nearly won me a title, probably had me my best season, and so at this spot I'm going to take I'm going to take on the risk and draft Ezekiel Elliott at number five because I think that you know if he were there, I mean, and he were in camp and we knew that he was full go tough to argue with Zeke not being the number one or top two pick, you know? And so, you know, when we talk about the three guys that you mentioned, why not Zeke in that conversation? And so I'm going to take that risk. I get 
a potential number one talent at five, and I'm feeling very, very good at that about that. And I, you know, I love my Bucks, so I'm going with Zeke at five. And I feel like anyone named Zane would definitely 100% make that pick. And with that, I at number six, you know, I'm I'm going to be uh, the the version of myself that we would call Dan Bauer. Oh wow! <laughs> yeah, you might want to former co-host of ours and cut that uh, version out. Yeah, but but at at number six and and at as Dan Bauer, I, I feel like I I need to reach for a homer pick and Nick Chubb is just staring me right in the face there at number six you know you probably wouldn't be surprised to see him go somewhere between 12 and 15 Uh, but I will not be outdone by taking anybody but a a Cleveland Brown this year especially since they're already Super Bowl champs Uh, so I'm gonna have to take (laughs) Nick Chubb I feel like he's gonna get a heavy workload he comes in as the workhorse bell cow for the Cleveland Browns Mm -hmm. who will ultimately easily win the Super Bowl this year Uh, so as Dan Bauer I'm gonna take Nick Chubb here at number six and honestly, even taking biases aside, I, I think that Nick Chubb has the potential to make that leap. And, you know, when you combine him with the other guys that you're about to take, Dan, in, you know, rolling with the Chubb, Baker, Odell, Landry, and Joku stack, I mean, I, I can't imagine you not winning this league. So congrats in advance on your, <laughs> on your title. Um <laughs> All right, so we're at we're at number seven here, and I'm going to say that it's me now, the actual version of me, Anshukana. And you know, if I'm nothing if not a huge homer, and that means that I'm seeing you know one receivers off the board. Like I said, with you know respect to Evan, I'm I'm thinking I got to make sure that I lock down one of the other ones, if not two of them. And I see Devontae Adams staring me at the face. I don't know if the Packers are going to find a second receiver this year, in all honesty. We talked about the NFC North last week, and I I really think there are concerns with whether Allison or or MVS is that second guy. And so I take the safe pick. I'm taking Devontae Adams here. I like it. I think Devontae Adams is going to go off once again. He was amazing last year, and obviously when you look at receivers in the NFL – Guys that are reception just hogs uh, like like DeAndre Hopkins and Devonte had Adams, uh, you know, from one hog to another. I'm going to be uh, Dan Petrick here, and uh, <laughs> and as Dan Petrick, I am going to take. Uh, David Johnson. I, I had him on my team last year. He's a guy that I think, you know, in this new offense under Cliff Kingsbury with Kyler Murray at the helm, he's a guy who's going to get a ton of looks out of the backfield as he always has. But I think his health is going to be the key this year. And I think with with as Dan, uh, you know, I'm always a guy who's looking for some serious value uh, in my picks. And I think at, at number eight, David Johnson is a guy who really has top five talent. And mm-hmm. for him to slip to me at eight, I'm a happy camper. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, there's some risk there, but Dan isn't uh, afraid of risk in any way. He likes to throw his hog out there whenever he can. So, you know, if you're a risk taker out there and you're looking for a big time pick in the first round and you're outside of the top three or four, I think David Johnson makes a lot of sense. Um, all right. My next pick, I'm I'm going to go by Julie here. And I'm I'm someone who has had some success, but also, you know, a couple down years here and there. But I'm all about the name value, and that is why I'm circling around, and I see Le'Veon Bell sitting there, and I know that Sam Darnold's about to take the leap. I know what Le'Veon Bell did two years ago for my team and others. Um, I'm not about to be someone who doesn't take the long view, and I know that Le'Veon Bell is still you know, young enough. He's got the money. I'm all about Le'Veon, and that is who my pick is here as Julie. 
I love this. Uh, if you guys couldn't tell by now, there might be some names that are happen to be in our, our fantasy league that we do together. So this but, is this but, is a fun twist, aren't you? <laughs> I, I will say that, like, you know, everyone's got these types. So if you, have, Absolutely. if you identify with a Julie or a Homer or someone along those lines, like, I think that you see players like this and you should know and identify them, especially if you're on, like, a specific side of a snake draft and you have to project, you know, who's going to take the guys in between your two picks. Absolutely. So even though we're looking at it for through a comedic lens, we're looking at it through a very real lens as well as we try to portray six different personalities here on this draft, which brings me to number 10. And as Zach, I'm always pretty upset with where I draft in, in these NFL fantasy football drafts, but I'm also not, not as much of a homer as my friend Dan who drafted uh, at number six, but I'm always willing to take a chance on someone who maybe plays for a team that I root for. And in that, I'm going to take the leading rusher in the AFC last year and a guy who I believe is going to take a huge step forward in Joe Mixon. Yes, there are more sexy names here right now as I draft at 10. Yes, Todd Gurley won so many people fantasy leagues over the last couple years. But Joe Mixon's a guy who is really getting into that stride of his prime who, if he can stay healthy, I think he's a guy that can take a lot of the workload off of Andy Dalton. And God knows my Bengals are going to need it as we look toward this season. So I think Joe Mixon is the one shining star on this 2-14 and 14 Cincinnati Bengals team as that. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with it. I think that he's, you know, he's definitely worth a higher pick. And I think because our league specifically has a lot of Bengals fans, he will go where he should. But in most leagues, I'm telling you right now, Joe Mixon is going to be severely underdrafted. I can promise you he will be on several of my teams. He's just, he's a stud. And like you said, he's a rock star. And, you know, they're going to do a good job of, I think, mixing in Gio Bernard enough to keep him fresh the whole season, which really is the key. Because you don't want to burn out your first or second round pick in the first few weeks. So I, I love right. that pick for Zach. Um, so, all right. So moving on, I'm no, I'm thinking, let's go. I'm, I'm thinking, you know, let's, <laughs> I'm going to be a little, a little dangerous with this one, but I also, you know, also pretty safe and looking for a really productive player here. And, and my name here is, is Brad. And I'm thinking, I'm looking at, you know, the receivers again, and I don't want to risk potentially losing one of these guys, but ultimately I'm going to, potentially upset some of the league's members and take a guy who helped me win a league or two out there, and that's James Conner. I think that James Conner coming off the season he had last year with you know the full bell cow duties in Pittsburgh, I absolutely love him here, and I'm hoping I'm going to get one of these four receivers on the wrap. Um, so while Hopkins and Adams are off the board, and I, I still see four guys, I thought there might be a run on them, but I'm, I'm settling here on James Conner. I feel pretty good about it. Wow, I like that pick quite a bit. I really like a good Steeler getting taken off the board, especially if I'm Mike Murnane and I'm sitting here at number 12. Oh, man. Uh, I feel like Mern is a guy who, you know, he probably sees uh, the potential that never were reached. And maybe maybe guys faced an injury or two here and there. I know it's my quarterback did last season. Uh, but I think at number 12, uh, the guy that I'm looking at as, as I look – uh, you know, here here at number 12. And I obviously know that I'm going to have another pick right behind it. Uh, so I'm looking at Dalvin Cook. I think this is a guy who obviously last year has some injury issues and, you know, was, was drafted very high in a lot of leagues. Uh, but as I look at the preseason, I overreact to what I, I see at times when uh, as I'm Mike. And, and I see Dalvin Cook rip off an 80-yarder in the preseason. And I remember how good of a prospect he was coming into the NFL and how – 
you know, highly thought of he was from a fantasy football perspective. And I think about the Minnesota Vikings and what they can do through the air. And I just think if Dalvin Cook can stay healthy at number 12, if I can nab him and then come back around at 13 and take Patrick Mahomes, the best quarterback off the board, I feel like that's a pretty good start to a draft at 12, 13. So as Mike, as Mike, I really feel like I need to get out of a shadow of mediocrity uh, <laughs> and really, really get this thing started off on the right foot. So Dalvin Cook, Pat Mahomes, you're mine. My concern with that pick as Mike is merely that I'm not sure you're going to get Jimmy Garoppolo on the back wrap. So, I mean, you're basically giving up the opportunity to get one Jimmy. One quarterback and... league, mind you. One quarterback <laughs> league. I'm totally joking. <laughs> yeah, no, I I, uh, I like those. I really like the Dalvin Cook pick there. I, I mean, I think this is – I think we've set a good precedent for the listeners. I mean, although some of this is ridiculous because they are – people in our favorite league. I mean, I, I think that we all have character caricatures of those in all of our different leagues. Yes, I, I would agree. And I, I did have fun with that. I like how you uh, set that up and knocked it out of the park. But um, uh, uh, just to recap, we had Saquon Barkley, uh, McCaffrey, Christian McCaffrey. Then we had DeAndre Hopkins, Alvin Kamara at four, Ezekiel Elliott at five, Nick Chubb, uh, Devontae Adams at seven, David Johnson, uh, Le'Veon Bell, Joe Mixon, James Conner, and Dalvin Cook, uh, and then obviously the, the Pat Mahomes at 13. I feel like that's a realistic first round in a lot of drafts, especially now uh, when you look at uh, you know some of the things that have transpired over the past few weeks. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't go exactly by the books, but rarely do our drafts actually follow that, right? And so I think this is a way you could see your drafts potentially going. I think you have to allow yourself the possibility that maybe there's a guy you really like and, you know, if, if my advice is, honestly, if you like someone a lot and it's not completely out of the realm, just take them because the likelihood is you're not going to get them on the wrap. So just take your guys because otherwise you're going to suffer this whole season without them. So, you know, if you love Nick Chubb, go ahead and lose yourself this season at seven. It's fine. It happens. Are you a guy when it comes to drafting, and I've obviously been in several of them with you, are you a guy who would prefer to stack up on one position? Are you a guy who would prefer to take best available no matter what? Or are you a guy that likes a well-rounded team at whatever cost? I mean, I think that I'd like to think that I'm, I try to go for value. And, and you know, it, if sometimes if it leans towards a position, then I'd do that. But the reality is I, I feel like we all do, which is, if one position is deficient, I immediately want to go fill that hole with somebody else, right? And so I think that ultimately I'm the latter of what you said, which is you try to have a balanced team. You try to not have, you know, situations where you go into the year looking to make trades. I mean, I, I'd much rather not have that. But at the same time, I think the smart way to do it is just to poach value. And, you know, I, I can't fault anyone for going into a draft with a very specific plan, but especially in leagues like ours where, you know, you don't know the draft order, I think you have to be very dynamic and flexible and also just, you know, willing to know that you may not, as unless you're in an auction, you may end up not getting the guy that you really want and not letting that affect your mindset over the draft because it's a long draft and, you know, drafts are won and lost often in the second half of them. Yeah, absolutely. How about you? All right, I had, I had fun with that. I mean, I would say that it depends on the type of league. I mean, when, when you think about the league that we just mocked, uh, you know, and mocked, uh, <laughs> you, I, yeah. I would say that in that league, it's a two quarterback league. Uh, you know, it, it's a little little different than a lot of our other leagues that you, that you have, a lot of the standard leagues. So in that league, you know, I try to stack up one position, whether it's quarterback, whether it's running back, whether it's wide receiver, and have the best in the league at that position and then kind of build my team around that. Um, but again, it depends on 
who goes off the board. You have to be able to to be willing to change your draft strategy as the draft is going on, but not get rattled if there's a guy or two that go a pick or two before you and, and just kind of stick to your strategy. Uh, so, you know, with you can always go in with a plan. You just have to be willing to to be more reactive and I think change that plan as the draft goes on. I think that's kind of the key uh, in, you know, we we know you, you go through this draft process and there's going to be trades throughout the years. There's going to be injuries throughout the year. There's going to be, you know, guys on the waiver wire that make it break, make and break people's seasons. Uh, so, you know, most of the work, even though the draft is extremely important, most of the work is done uh, in the trenches during the season. For yes, sure. there's going to be a guy or two who you get lucky in the draft and, and you know, ends up being, uh, you know, maybe two or three or four rounds better than what he was drafted at. But at the end of the day, you're going to have to do the work during the season in more cases than not to win it unless you have a guy like Todd Gurley who just carries you to a championship. Um, so it, for me, I, I like I like to, the, the well-rounded approach in, in your standard league. Uh, but if there's kind of a quirkiness to a league like we have, uh, I do feel like, you know, making sure that you're 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 solid at one position uh, and maybe, you know, the best in the league at that position. It, maybe even it's that that you do that by stacking three of the top running backs or three of the top receivers and being able to have some some trade opportunities down the stretch to round that out. So I would say that. We're, we're probably in the same in the same vein there, but I think I think for me it's just being able to kind of react to how the draft goes. And again, you mentioned it. We're in a league that you don't know your draft position until the draft gets started, essentially. So it, that that alone could change your strategy. Let's say if you think you're going to draft somewhere in the middle of the draft and you get number one or number twelve, that's going to completely completely change the way that you look at that, that draft going forward. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that you know the general theme that we would both advise is. Just be dynamic, be ready for anything and, you know, take mental reps, I would say. And, you know, and obviously just have like just don't go in with the with the mindset of, oh, I feel like I have to do this because like somebody else told me I had to just like it's supposed to be fun. There is money at stake often. But like, you know, like don't go and take someone you absolutely hate or a team of players you hate because it's just not going to be fun even if you do win. And you'll never see me draft a Steeler for that reason. All right, Anshu, we're going to have some quick leftovers on the other side of this note. But real quick, want to talk to you guys about the Woody Page podcast and uh, attention sports fans, award-winning sports columnist and ESPN commentator. Woody Page is putting down the chalkboard and picking up the mic for the Woody Page podcast on Podcast One Sportsnet. Join Woody each week as he takes on sports and pop culture with his roster of famous and even legendary guests from the world of sports and entertainment. Drop the chalk and download new episodes of the Woody Page Podcast every week on Apple Podcasts and Podcasts One. Woody Page, I, I remember him so much from Around the Horn, right? Is that the show he was on? Yes, yeah, every, every, he, he actually uh, did the a Denver show. Writer. Yes, he did a show with Chris this week on Underdog, so make sure you go listen to that if you're a Woody Page fan. Chris actually spoke very glowingly about his interview with Woody Page. I think they went for 20 or 30 minutes, so go ahead and check that out if you get the chance. I actually definitely am going to do that. He was the he was the quirky guy on the show, but yes. you know, I actually I always thought he made good points even though he did it in an entertaining and funny way, so the other, you know, the other participants didn't take him seriously at times. I always thought he uh <laughs> I always thought he brought it, so I, I respect sure. that, and uh, I'll, I will definitely check out that interview, and as well as Woody Page's podcast over there. So, all right, quickly, leftovers. We haven't talked any college football at all. We did briefly mention earlier in the show that there were some games that were going to be going on here this weekend, and there's some big teams playing, but a few big games as well. You've got Utah and BYU. Uh, Ohio State uh, obviously gets out there and takes on FAU. I only mentioned 
Ohio State because my uncle is an avid listener and he corrected an issue with the podcast earlier this week. Oh, so I wanted, yes. wanted to just mention OSU. I know you'll be watching. Uh, and then Oregon-Auburn is the big one that people are going to be keeping an eye on this weekend. Uh, you anything uh, here that maybe in general that you wanted to touch on with college football coming up? I think the one thing for me is there's, there's a lot of big names, but it's not as – top heavy I feel like that is, as it's been in years past and I mean that from a player perspective not from a team perspective because obviously you still have Clemson and Alabama but but when you look at the Heisman race I feel like there's a there's a, a quite a few guys who you wouldn't be surprised to see take that thing away which makes for a fun college football season for sure I mean I I think that the quarterbacks this year as we've seen with future drafts already being discussed I mean there are some huge heavy hitters when you think of Trevor Lawrence obviously too Otago Veloa and, and Jake Fromm at Georgia Justin Herbert I mean we've got massive transfers going to Ohio State and Oklahoma at quarterback and you know Michigan brings back Shea Patterson who transferred there last year and, and you know Jim Harbaugh maybe his last stand if he doesn't beat Ohio State finally I'm sure your uncle would love to not see that and uh, <laughs> you know I, I mean, there there are some massive, massive storylines. Texas, are they back? And, and, you know, and you know this all kicks off really with we, – we saw Miami and Florida, two of your least favorite schools last week. But, Hate them. You know, it didn't – pretty sloppy effort there by both teams, I thought. And, you know, now we come into this week, we roll in, and, and we get Oregon-Auburn, which, you know, it's crazy, but this is how college football is. One of these teams, whoever loses, very likely to be out – on the national title race, which is, it's, you know, it's unfortunate, but also it makes college football so amazing. So I'm really pumped to see it. I think there are some just awesome players in the quarterback play this year specifically should be really, really fun to watch. Just real quick, I was just kind of thinking about this as we're talking through it and, and kind of thinking about where we've come with the college football playoff. Now that we've had a couple years to, to have this digest, obviously it's still a four team, you know, there's been talk of, of it moving to an eight at some point. Do you feel like they have it right now, or do you feel like there's still work to do to get this thing to be a perfect system? There's work to do, for sure. I mean, but uh, it is massively better than having two teams decided on by a random formula, and I love random formulas, but I think that, you know, this is, I, I think we need eight, we need eight teams, and then ultimately, you know, I think that if you have an eight-team playoff, you're very likely to have the best team in the country fall within that. I don't necessarily see the need to go to 16. I think it'd be fun. But you wouldn't necessarily, you know, lose the champion by going from sixteen to eight. Um, but from between four and eight, you could because just because like a team loses one game and they're out, and um, you know, with eight, I think that generally you'll still capture all the good teams. So uh, that's what I would like to see, and then I think that we're pretty much good at that point, personally. Yeah, I agree. I've always said, and I, I think we were actually doing uh, Squadcast at the time. Shout out to our, our original our original show that, that brought the two of us together. But uh, I, my friends I, are heathens. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I recall, you know, talking about this, and, and from the get-go, I always thought eight made sense. And, and the fact that you could still have the, the same bowl sponsors and you wouldn't lose out on the money and have you still have the Fiesta Bowl, you still have the Sugar Bowl and the Orange Bowl in the Rose Bowl and you still play them at the same locations and that's the first round yep. and then you do you know you do the the next round and you still have those additional sponsors and then you have the championship it wouldn't change the landscape of the the college football atmosphere from a money standpoint i think that was always kind of the other side is like we're going to lose lose money on these big bowls that we do every year and it's like no you don't have to do that they can still have those same names just be a part of the college football playoff and i think that's definitely the way to go i don't think four is enough i think it needs to be eight um, but 
to your point, they have definitely come a long way from what it was before they had the playoff. And, you know, you just think about some of those BCS years and how much of a nightmare it was where you have three or four teams that are right there in the running. And, you know, it just doesn't turn out the way that, that, that you, you would hope that it might, uh, giving everybody a shot that had played their way to get there. So hopefully yeah. they get it right eventually. But nonetheless, I mean, college football is here. It still is a very exciting part of, of the sports landscape. And I know, you know, you being a big Wisconsin fan and, you know, me, me, obviously growing up loving Florida State, like those are, you know, two teams that you're going to regardless of what you have coming into the season. And obviously Florida State was horrible last year. Regardless, those are two teams with storied pet past that you're going to be excited about that season getting underway. For sure. I mean, they both have chances and really everyone other than, you know, Arizona now <laughs> has a chance. So, um, you know, I, I it's awesome and I hope everyone enjoys it. I know that we haven't gotten too far into it, but I'm sure that over the course of this fall, we will get really into it because I, I really do think that this year we've got some big time blue bloods and some really good quarterback prospects to uh, follow. So I'm, I'm pumped about it. I am as well. All right, Anshu, this has been quite a action packed show. We, we talked about all of the storylines going on in the NFL. We touched on the awards from a betting perspective. We did our mock national football league draft and then we obviously had a little bit of leftovers to finish it off but was there anything you wanted to tell our listeners with oh by the way before we let them get back to their week i will just make a quick prediction for the ncaa season i think trevor lawrence is going to win the heisman not a shocker there but i got georgia winning the national title this year that is my prediction so mark that down as a team that gets like six losses in the sec wow okay georgia i like it i mean they've been in They've been in the running. They've been right there. I, I like that at plus eight hundred for the value. I'm not. I'm just not ready to make a prediction on college football yet. I think if I were to have to, it would be Alabama or Clemson, uh, and that's just you know obviously recency bias and and the fact that they're always there. But um, you know I think it's going to be. I, I think there's going to be other teams with a chance this year. I don't think it's going to be as top heavy, even though it's still obviously a little bit top heavy from a team standpoint. But uh, I, I do like the call out there with Georgia. I like you uh, being willing to take that chance. And Jake Fromm, uh, you know, he's a guy that uh, definitely gives them a chance for sure. Could be a Bengal someday. <laughs> Honestly, any quarterback predicted to go in the top five picks next year could be a Bengal. So. I'll take it. I'll take whoever we can get. Whoever wins the Heisman, just bring me him. If it's Tua, if it's from, <sighs> if it's Fields, I don't care. Just bring me a new quarterback. Nothing would make me happier than you with a Tiger Vailoa jersey and being and not saying Tua, just saying Tiger Vailoa at every opportunity. No one I says will. that better than you, my friend. <laughs> oh, fair enough. All right, Anshu, I, I think this uh, show has seen its its uh, lifeline. So uh, we're going to let our listeners get back to their week. I, I, it's been fun, but uh, our time has come to an end here on the Underdog Sports Fantasy Hour, and we look forward to seeing you guys next week. Good luck drafting this weekend. <laughs>